We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon on the Super Tuesday primaries in Indiana taking place today. Uh, but let's take a, uh, a break from the politics and, and talk a little IU football. We had the NFL draft last week. Uh, three IU players were selected, seven players overall going to the NFL, four of them via undrafted free agency. Uh, we'll bring in Dan Moglione uh, from NFLDraftBible.com and AllMediaNewYork.com to talk a little uh, uh, a little draft. Uh, we will try not to talk too much about uh, our, our New York Jets and try and stick to Indiana. Uh, we also have uh, co-host TJ Inman in with us. How are you, TJ? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on, as always. Uh, glad to be glad to be on the show talking about the NFL draft. Um, Indiana. I think the Indiana players had an interesting draft, and I'm interested to. Uh, hear what our guest has to say about, I don't want to call them drops, um, but I think maybe they, a couple of them went later than we had expected. So I'm interested to hear what he has to say about that and hear uh, how he thinks those guys fit on their new teams. Yep. And uh, right now we're going to bring in uh, Dan Moglione from NFLDraftBible.com and uh, All Media NY. Uh, Dan, how are you today? Pretty good, Sammy. How's it going? So I was, I was actually thinking we might talk a little politics and, and that game where they use the ring to play in, but I guess we're going to stick to football. We're, we're coached by Bob Knight with no K? Shooty hoops, a, a little, uh, a little uh, put the ball through the ring? It, it, it might be a Canadian sport. But anyway, uh, we're here to talk football, not Canadian football, but uh, college football and American pro football. Um, Dan, three IU guys, um, IU players are drafted. Uh, start. We'll start with Jason Spriggs, who is the highest at uh, 48th overall. I felt like he went to a perfect place in Green Bay. Uh, how do you think uh, that landing spot is for him? Yeah, I agree. It's a pretty good spot. You know, they've been trying to search for that blindside protector for quite some time there in Green Bay. Uh, they used a couple of high draft picks in the recent years, including another Big Ten product, uh, Brian Balaga out of Iowa. So obviously these guys haven't panned out as well because they're still using the draft to try to pick up that offensive tackle to uh, keep Aaron Rodgers upright and give him some time in the pocket. And <clears throat> the situation's a good situation. You know, they don't necessarily need him to – play right away from day one or start from day one, although, you know, with Balaga's injury issues, that could be an opportunity that does present itself at some point this season. But you're talking about a ball club that has three guys, including their, their left tackle, Bakhtari, as well as um, Sitton and Lang, who are all entering 
the final year of their contracts were due to be free agents. So this is, this is the best way to build a team and most often is not wait until a position becomes an immediate need, but address it a year before so you have that guy ready. And this allows Spriggs to kind of acclimate himself to the NFL, maybe get a little bit bigger, a little bit stronger. These are two things that we talked about he needs to do this year, but I think it's definitely a good landing spot for him. I thought it was great value for Green Bay because I think really while his play was somewhat inconsistent and didn't necessarily warrant a first-round grade, you're talking about a kid that if he does reach his full potential, probably does have first-round talent in Spriggs. Yeah, and, you know, a lot of the uh, IU picks I felt fell into great situations. Um, but as an offensive lineman, is this something where, you know, they'll rotate him in and, and try and keep guys fresh? You mentioned Belagas with it, with his injury issues. Now, do they substitute offensive linemen as often in the NFL as they do uh, sometimes in college? Not as much. I mean, if the guys up front are playing well, those guys typically will stay in the game all game long, um, you know, unless it's an issue where, again, unless it's an injury issue or a performance issue, guys are typically going to stay on the field. And, and just think about it this way. You're, you're not going to throw somebody out there just to get him some reps if you don't think he's ready when that guy may allow a 280-pounder to run by him and, you know, pummel Aaron Rodgers. So Yeah, you don't want to sacrifice yeah. your, your franchise for – you know, a few game reps. Exactly. Um, so if it's one thing, listen, if, if there's if the guy in front of him isn't playing well and he's shown something in practice, then obviously, yes, he can go on to the field. He can see the field. Uh, Dan, we'll go to the next IU pick. Um, unless, TJ, do you have anything about uh, Spriggs you wanted to ask? Well, I think um, something that maybe you had a chance to look at uh, when evaluating uh, Indiana's tape, just as we – look forward to this next season and Dan Feeney uh, is going to be an NFL prospect. Is there anything that you saw in IU's offensive system push Jason Spriggs down a little bit uh, lower than what people thought he was going to end up at? I don't know if it's necessarily IU's um, system, but clearly they, they don't run a traditional NFL offense. So I don't know. I don't know if that mm-hmm. necessarily, you know, I wouldn't say that for sure pushed him down. But I think if he did play in a more traditional offense, it may have helped his case a little bit. Although, at the same time, you are seeing more NFL teams, not just Shaquille, incorporating tempo to their offense. So you can even make a case that, hey, he's shown that he could do this. We can teach him how to do what we do. But when we need to move at a little quicker tempo and, and throw the football around, which is you know where the game is going, that he's proven he can do that as well. All right, we're going to move on to the next IU pick. Uh, was Jordan Howard at pick 150 going to uh, the Chicago Bears? Uh, Dan, Jordan Howard, I, I believe, fell to the fifth round uh, due to his durability issues. Um, I was in a Twitter argument with a, with a guy who kind of disappeared, and I was texting you during it that, you know, he made a mistake coming out. Um, I don't think he did. Uh, what is what is your opinion on him? Did he did he make the right call? Um, I know next year's draft uh, running back draft class is very very deep, and you know I was looking at a list on rankings and it is very early. But when you have Corey Clement from from Wisconsin as your 15th best running back in the country on your draft list, it, it's right. a deep class. So 
you know, it, one, did he, did he do right coming out uh, as a fifth-round pick? Two, um, Chicago, how does that fit? It seems him and Jeremy Langford could make a, a very potent one-two punch uh, uh, up in uh, the Windy City. Yeah, I mean, to your first point, I, I think obviously when you see a guy projected to go on day two, as most people had him, you know, a lot of people had him with second-round grades. Some people had him with a third-round grade. Very few people had him lasting until the fifth round. So it's easy to kind of say, hey, oh, look, he should have came back. He would have improved the stock next year. But, you know, I think ultimately I think we overstate that often with guys that leave early, assuming that, uh, you know, a year back there's numerous players who have come back, had great years, and still didn't really, quote-unquote, help their draft stock. I mean, the, the, mm-hmm. the quote-unquote draft stock is a, is a mythical thing. You know what I mean? That was created that he's a potential day-two pick until the draft actually plays out and we see where NFL teams have him. That's the reality of what the opinion is of NFL teams. Now, the two biggest weaknesses Howard has, as you mentioned, one is durability, and the other one is he really isn't a big factor in, in the passing game. And since the game is headed in that direction, that's something that's becoming – you know, a bigger, bigger part of being a running back is being able to catch the football in the backfield, being a blocker in passing situations. So in terms of his durability, could have he improved his draft stock by coming back next year, playing a full season without missing any time? Sure. But I mean, just as likely or maybe more likely is what if he missed six games next year? What if he missed seven games next year? He could have actually hurt his draft stock by returning if those injury issues continued to be, to be a problem with, with Indiana the following season. So I, I definitely would not agree with saying that he heard that he made an error by coming out early. I think he probably did the right thing. Um, I think we NFL teams saw what he could do, and I think he is a good fit with the, with the Chicago Bears. They have the speed guy in Lankford who brings that 4-4 speed, who can catch the ball out of the backfield, how it can be that big back who can run between the tackles, whether it's early and downs, whether we're talking short yardage situations or, you know, obviously when the weather gets a little colder, it's not surprising that he went to a team in the Midwest where it is cold, where you, where the running game is going to be a bigger thing once you get into the winter months of November and December. Yeah. And, and one of the things about Jordan Howard is his running style is uh, he's not going to shy away from contact. He's going to run over people. Um, and it's a double-edged sword, as you said, Dan, where, you know, if he does come back, who knows, he's probably not going to, you know, last the whole season. He's going to get nicked up, uh, stuff like that. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I think the average life of an NFL running back is somewhere between three and four years, uh, if that. So can't blame a kid for, for trying to go pro, make money while he can, while his body still still allows him to. Um, but, yes, I, I – I, It'll be uh, good to see a, a, set, a local IU player go to a team where there are a lot of uh, fans in, in the state of Indiana. Uh, it should drum up some, uh, some excitement for both the program and, and for the Bears. Uh, so that's uh, good as well. Uh, Dan, uh, the, the final Hoosier um, taken in the draft is Nate Sudfeld, I believe at 185 uh, or 187. Um, in, the, in the sixth round by Washington. Uh, this is another situation where he's probably, you know, he's going to sit behind uh, Kirk Cousins uh, for a couple years, learn the offense, um, learn it from a guy who's, who's been playing well 
think the only other quarterback on that roster is Colt McCoy uh, as of a couple days ago. Uh, tell us what you like about that, that Sudfeld pick to, to Washington. Well, what I like about the Sudfeld pick for the, from Washington's perspective is you, you do have a talented kid, you know, at six, six, six feet, six inches, 230 plus pounds. I mean, when he's, when those three quarterbacks are going to line up, He's going to be the the biggest guy out there with with the strongest arm. So he, you know, he's got a lot of ability, and he's got the prototypical size. He's got the arm strength. So all he needs is some time to develop. So he's they needed a young guy. They needed you, you know you always want to have a young player who has some potential down the road that you grab later in the draft because you never know how he might develop. I think that's kind of worked out for Washington in the past, right? That's how they got Kirk Cousins. They drafted him in the fourth round a little earlier than they got Sutfield, but still he was a fourth-round pick that was brought in there as a developmental guy that was not expected to play immediately because they had Robert Griffin, the number two overall pick, and that panned out pretty well. So it's a good formula. There's a lot of NFL teams that believe, hey, you should almost draft a quarterback every year, bring in some young guys to, to, to provide depth. Backup quarterback is one of the most important positions in the NFL because of how often starters do get injured. So I, I think it makes sense to bring in a talented guy. I think they got good value where they got him in Sudfeld, and it's a good spot for him because he's not a guy that's expected to be ready from day one. So this will give him time to sit back, learn from those experienced guys, as you mentioned, you know, Cousins and Colt McCoy, acclimate himself to more of an NFL-style offense, learn how to play under center, all the things he needs to do to, to potentially give him, excuse me, to give himself the best chance to be an NFL player down the road. TJ, anything to add? Well, Dan, I'm curious what uh, what you think caused Nate Sudfeld to last until the sixth round. Uh, I again, I think it's a good spot for him, but um, you know, going behind guys uh, that had considerably less production and, in my opinion, have a, a lower ceiling uh, physically. Guys like Cody Kessler from USC that I I never really saw much potential in him. Uh, at the next level. So I'm curious, what do you think made him last until round six? Well, I think mostly probably his inconsistency. Um, as a quarterback at the college level, he had some fantastic games, but mixed in there, he had some pretty um, awful games. So there were moments where you watch him play and you're like, wow, this is an NFL quarterback. Other times you watch them play and the thought of him playing at the next level never even crossed your mind. So I think that's one issue he has mechanical issues that need to be corrected, which, yes, these are things that can be corrected. They don't always get corrected, and they take some time. So usually when teams draft the quarterback towards the higher part of the draft, you're looking for somebody that can make an impact uh, quicker than Sudfeld projects to. Accuracy is one of those issues that he has. It's a little inconsistent. Those things are more difficult to correct moving from college to the NFL. Um, I agree with you in terms of a Kessler type. I think Sudfeld does have a higher ceiling clearly than a Kessler just in terms of his size and arm strength. He's built more like a prototypical NFL quarterback. As for the production, you know, sometimes that can be a little overstated. I mean, if you look over the years, uh, I believe actually Washington did draft the Colt Brennan back in the day uh, out of Hawaii. You know, you can put up gaudy numbers at the college Mm -hmm. level, and it doesn't necessarily translate to the NFL. So NFL teams aren't really going to look so much in terms of like their production at the college level, because that can that doesn't always translate. But I, I agree with you. I think guys like Kessler and a couple other quarterbacks that went before him, I like Sudfeld's ceiling uh, better. I think he's got a higher ceiling. 
Awesome. Dan, we're going to get into some of the undrafted free agents uh, here. Uh, Darius Latham was a guy who uh, declared early. Yep. Uh, he had some off-the-field issues. He is clearly a great athlete. I, I think he tested pretty well um, at both the combine and pro day, uh, but he, I think it was character issues and, and maybe lack of production at the college level um, or lack of consistent production at the college level that, that brought him down. But did, did the Raiders get a steal uh, in a defense alignment uh, with Darius Latham as an undrafted free agent? I believe they did. I like his talent. Um, he Before we talked about Jordan Howard and did he make a mistake, I think even before the draft we talked about this when I was on, I think Latham clearly made a mistake in terms of coming out because of his lack of production, as you said. Not to say that he didn't do anything, but his talent level was clearly superior to his production level. So he's a guy that if he did come back, he he could have made a big jump in terms of his production, which could have helped his value in terms of an NFL perspective. You know, Jordan Howard, when he played, he really could not have played much better. But in Latham, you had a guy that had a big gap between how good he could be and how good he actually is. So I think he is a guy that could have really improved his stock significantly by coming back and having a big season. Um, You know, having said that, he made the decision. It is what it is. And I think the Raiders did get an exceptional talent. They got a kid who I think – has had the talent level to be a third or fourth round pick and to be able to get him without using the draft choice, I think was clearly a steal. He, he's, he's a perfect fit for what they like to do. They like to change schemes. They, they like to go with that three, four with Mac coming off the edge. And they drafted um, the kid out of uh, Florida state, his name Edwards, who's a similar type of player skill set wise and size wise to Latham to be that five technique type of guy. And I think Latham's a similar player. He can provide depth as a five technique. And when they do four, three scheme, he can shift in and play the three technique as a defensive tackle. I think the five technique, that three, four defensive end is his ideal position because he has that tremendous length in terms of being six feet, four inches, but more so um, arm length, almost 35 inch long arms, which are, which is a lot longer than even guys like, you know, Joey Bosa and, Shaq Lawson and MDJ who went in the first round. So he's got that build, and I think it's a great spot for him in terms of the scheme and tremendous value for the Raiders. Uh, yeah, I, it's I, I, he's kind of a, a missed opportunity for IU um, where he could have really dominated. He was a highly recruited guy uh, out of Indianapolis, and you know, I, I don't want to call him a disappointment, but his career was kind of uh, lacking. But it, it, he's going to be a good fit there. That's great to hear. And uh, hopefully he, you know, keeps himself out of trouble, surrounds himself uh, with the right people. But um, we'll go on, Dan. Um, and, and you know what, Sam, three more guys. There, I just wanted to throw out there that he this may be a little bit of a, a wake-up call for him, you know, going to Indiana – as such a highly recruited guy, he was the big man on campus. He was the bell of the ball in, in that recruiting class. Now all of a sudden he's going to Oakland where they have young stars, whether it's Carr and Cooper on offense or, or, or um, Mac, Khalil Mack on defense, and he's an undrafted guy. So now, you know, maybe this is a reality check for him that he's got to put in a little more effort and to maximize that talent maybe this will be the motivational, motivational factor for him 
to kind of reach that potential. Yeah, he went from a big fish in a little pond to, uh, you know, a small fish in the big ocean. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, Dan, there were three more guys uh, taken on um, undrafted. Uh, another one to Washington was tight end Michael Cooper. He had his, his numbers weren't terrific um, in terms of just they didn't stand out that much, but he had a terrific year last year at tight end for IU. He came up with some big catches, uh, was a leader in um, in that tight end room, and, and really solidified that group and, and turned into a very nice player as a former walk-on. Uh, do you think he, you know, makes a roster come come this fall? Uh, you know, it's going to be an uphill battle for most of these guys uh, who are undrafted free agent guys. I think Latham is kind of an exception because of his high ceiling. But, you know, like I said, it's going to be a little bit of uphill, ba- uphill battle. A lot of it is going to depend, frankly, on probably the health of some of these guys. If they, if all these guys remain healthy, it's probably going to be hard. You're talking about in Washington, they have uh, Vernon Davis. They have, uh, of course, Jordan Reed. And they have uh, Niles Paul out of Nebraska. So they kind of have a very solid one, two, three in their tight end depth chart. But as we know, Jordan Reed gets hurt often um, as he has throughout his career. Vernon Davis is uh, going to be 32 years old or is 32 or, or is 32 years old already. So his durability, who knows how much he's going to have left in the tank. He hasn't been the same player the last few years. So I think, you know, his goal is to make a practice squad and impress coaches and, and be the next man up if, one of these guys get hurt or, you know, Davis just doesn't show enough production to warn a roster spot. Right. And another guy I want to talk about is Zach Shaw. We talked about Bobby Richardson last year as kind of an undersized defense alignment uh, who went to New Orleans as an undrafted free agent, had a nice year, um, a nice year there. I think he was the mm-hmm. second most tackles of, of rookies, um, really mm-hmm. put his name, I, I thought put his name in for defensive rookie of the year. Uh, but Zach Shaw is kind of the same. He played that bandit position at IU. Um, he uh, He's, you know, put together a, a nice pro day. Uh, do you see him uh, making a practice squad? He's with the Steelers. Now, that's a, a great organization to to learn from. But do you see him, you know, catching on with, with the team? Uh, same deal, you know. I think I, I wouldn't say he has the same feeling as a Richardson last year. I, I like Richardson's upside and his talent level higher than Shaw's. I think he showed more on tape, but I think it is a good organization in terms of uh, developing that type of edge bandit player, that outside linebacker who can be a pass rusher. I think that's probably his best position at the next level. You know, Pittsburgh they they draft those guys, but they also have guys that, you know, haven't been big names, weren't highly touted and have developed them well. You know, a guy like a James Harrison who came out of Kent State, you know, I'm obviously not predicting that that Shaw's going to have that type of career that Harrison has with multiple Pro Bowls, you know, over 70 sacks in his career. But that goes to show you that the Steelers, once you get to that organization, they really don't care when you were drafted. If you were a first-round pick, second-round pick, or if you were an undrafted guy, it's about production and who earns the playing time. So I think it's a really good uh, organization for a guy like him to go to because they're going to give you the chance, and they're definitely good at coaching up that position. Right, and, and you know, it's just a class organization that where you could learn some stuff, and, you know, they'll give you a good – and if you play well, they, they 
it stands out on, on your NFL resume, hey, was with the Steelers, played well, and you have a couple references from those coaches you could catch on somewhere. Uh, finally, Dan, um, the final guy is Jake Reed. He played center this year at IU. Um, kind of the under-heralded guy on that uh, offensive line with Feeney and Spriggs. Uh, he's, a, he's a durable guy. He, he started the last last year, all, all 13 games. He signed a free agent deal with Atlanta. Uh, Colin Rarig, who was the center before Reed, uh, is in Atlanta in a in a backup role right now. Do you, do you see him, um, you know, kind of kind of getting a, a shot there as well? Yeah, it's going to be trying to make that practice squad, trying to show you could play multiple posi- you know multiple positions. The Falcons do have Alex Mack there um, at, at center, so he's one of the better guys in the NFL at the position, so they seem pretty set and solid there. But obviously the flow of the NFL roster can change rather quickly. So a guy like, you know, like Reed coming out of school, coming on draft, basically you're looking for an opportunity. You want to show you can play multiple positions. You'll, you'll be happy to just make the, the practice squad and go from there. You know what I mean? Show them what you could do. Show them that you're a guy that you can develop into a player who could, who could provide some depth on the roster. Right, TJ. Anything to add? Uh, not on the IU players, but a little bit uh, Big Ten centric here. I, and I know you guys uh, have probably discussed uh, Christian Hackenberg off the air, but um, you know the trio of Big Ten quarterbacks that I think are most intriguing: uh, Christian Hackenberg going to the Jets, Cardell Jones getting drafted and uh, heading to Buffalo, and then uh, Connor Cook lasting much later than people had anticipated. I know that there were maybe some attitude uh, or leadership issues with Connor Cook, but uh, what did you think about the, uh, the, the day that those, for the draft that those big 10 quarterbacks had and did it play out how you thought it would? Um, I would say for Christian Hackenberg, it did. I, I kind of thought he had a good chance to be, that um, next quarterback after the first round, obviously everybody knew Goff and Wentz would go one and two, and most people had Lynch projected as that third guy going somewhere in the late first round, and that's exactly how it played out. And I really thought Hackenberg had a good chance to be the next guy. Um, we had actually had been texting with Sammy heading up to the draft, and I thought he was a guy that could land in New York with that 51st pick. He's a really interesting uh, type of guy, guys. I, I know uh, – my buddy Sammy is not a fan of, of Mr. Hackenberg, but I, I think he has an extremely – and that's an understatement, but uh, he, he has an yeah. extremely, extremely high, high ceiling. He's, he's obviously a risky pick, and I, I talked about the accuracy issues with Sudfeld. Hackenberg also has accuracy issues, and that is one of the most difficult things to improve on moving from the college to the NFL. But at the same time, when this kid made some throws, his arm is as good or better than any quarterback in this draft. I would say his arm is, is better than Goff, who went number one overall. Now, obviously, that's not the only thing. You know, there are guys like Browning Nagel and Kyle Bowler who have rocket arms and, and were terrible in the NFL, and that may be how things play out for Hackenberg. But I think, you know, he went where he went because he struggled a lot the past two seasons, and that just goes to show you how high his ceiling is and how much talent he has because he probably does have top 10 talent. And I would guess that this isn't a full, this isn't a total excuse uh, for him, but I would guess that if Bill O'Brien had been there all three years, Hackenberg probably would have been a first round pick. 
and, and who knows, may have been in that conversation to go in the top ten, had his career played out differently. He also had a very poor offensive line play at Penn State. Again, this doesn't totally absolve his problems, but I think there were reasons there that would lead you to believe that, hey, this kid does have a higher ceiling than he's shown the last two years. The most surprising for me is where Cook went. i got to be honest, I was pretty stunned to see him slip um, as low as he did, uh, particularly to see the guy we talked about before, Cody Kessler, getting selected ahead of him. Um, You know, I kind of understood Jacoby Brissett maybe going ahead of him, although I had Cook rated higher, but Brissett does have an NFL frame. You know, he's a 230-pound kid, almost six feet four inches, is athletic and kind of has some escapability to him. So I understood he's a guy that looks and projects like he's got the potential to be an NFL starter. I don't see that from a Cody Kessler. To me, he's a backup type. So I, I, I thought Cook would have had better value. I'm surprised. A team did not draft him once he got into the third round. I, I, I was really, really surprised that he lasted until day three in the draft. You know, I think he's got ability. I, I think he's shown that he can, that he's got the talent to be a starting quarterback in the NFL. I think he favors very comparable, you know, in comparison, he favors himself very well to a Cousins also who came out of Michigan State and out of the Big Ten. I think he's got uh, more talent coming out of school than Cousins did. And, yes, you know, this is something that we've been talking about all year, the fact that he wasn't a captain. I mean, I don't know. Is that really enough to have a kid move down one or two rounds from the draft if that really was his quote-unquote draft stock to be a second-round type of quarterback? I think that can be somewhat overstated. I mean, how bad of a leader was he considering he quarterbacked and led three of the best seasons in Michigan State football history? I mean, the kid just won game after game after game after game, including a lot of big ones. So I know his last one was kind of an ugly one, but he had a pretty darn stellar career at, at Michigan State. I know he didn't do it alone, but, you know, it's not like the Spartans had 10 guys drafted in the first couple of rounds like Ohio State did. So I think he deserves a lot of credit for their success. So I think maybe that leadership stuff might be a little overstated. I'm not, I'm not totally sure. I read an interesting piece about Cook also where basically a lot of NFL personnel, personnel people were disparaging him, nameless personnel people, I should add. And, and, and most of the stuff was just basically saying like, hey, there's something about him I don't like. That was kind of the gist of it without actually pinpointing a specific thing. So it'll be interesting mm-hmm. to see how things play out. He actually went to an interesting spot too. Raiders, a team that didn't need a quarterback, which, you know, listen, there's their depth there, unless you're a big Matt McGloin fan, uh, the people listening in Happy Valley, they, they definitely needed an improvement for, uh, in terms of their depth behind, David, uh, behind Derek Carr. But I was, I was surprised they traded up to get him. And who's the third guy? We're talking Cardell Jones out of Ohio State, right? Uh, yeah, I think he, I think he kind of went where where he should have gone. I, I'm not a Cardell Jones at all. Um, yeah, he's got a massive, massive frame, and he's got a cannon arm that could throw the ball, you know, 60, 70 yards down the field. But outside of that, I, I was never overly impressed with him playing. Uh, when I saw him at Ohio State, yeah, he won some monster games. He led them to a national title. I, I get that. But even in those games, he wasn't that overly impressive. I mean, his, he completed barely over half his passes in those games. He had a couple of throws that were up for grabs. He had one ball that was begging to be a pick six against Alabama. So, And, and obviously, if you watch the draft, 
that Ohio State team, they had a lot of good players around him on both sides of the ball. So I think he mm-hmm. was a product somewhat of playing on a very talented roster. And, and to be fair to, to, to Jones, it's not just about that. It's about the fact that there's, if you look at the pedigree of success of NFL quarterbacks, there's very few guys who have had such few reps at the college level as Cardale Jones has had and, and been able to be successful in the NFL. Those reps you just can't get back. So it's, I think he's starting so far behind the curve from your average quarterback. And, you know, I think he may, he may have crossed all, as much as he won them, helped them win a national title two years ago, his play this year very well could have cost them a national title. So, but at the same time, I get when you look at him, he's got the arm and the size that you can't teach. So I understand why a team like Buffalo would take a chance with him in the fourth round. Yeah, and we really appreciate it. Yeah, uh, Dan, thanks for joining us. Uh, we'll see how Christian Hackenberg uh, pans out. Uh, hopefully, you know, the Jets have another quarterback uh, somewhere up their sleeve um, because I'm not comfortable with any of the guys they have right now. Uh, but, they don't grow uh, we'll, trees, we'll you see. Know. Yeah, but, you know, they grow somewhere. Um, yeah, you know, when, when Mark Sanchez is your most successful quarterback since, you know, Chad Pennington, we've got issues. But anyway, Dan, uh, thanks for joining us. A pleasure as always. Uh, and uh, and good luck with uh, all your ventures. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. Uh, it was a pleasure. All right. That does it for our show, TJ, today. Uh, we'll be back on. We're starting our off-season. We have a lot of content, um, uh, TJ, this off-season. We're going to start uh, – getting that rolling uh, here in a couple weeks. We're, I think, 125 days away from kickoff. Um, But, TJ, as always, thanks for for hopping on uh, with us. We'll have more podcasts in the offseason talking about opponents, uh, you know, offensive players for IU, doing some rankings, uh, some fun stuff like that. So uh, enjoy the rest of your Super Tuesday. If you haven't voted, go out and vote uh, in Indiana. I'm on my way to the polling station here after this, but uh, enjoy the rest of your day, TJ. Absolutely. Have a good week. All right. That does it for this episode of the Hoosier Huddle podcast. Thanks for joining us. We will be back uh, a a bunch over the summer uh, to go over uh, some season previews and some other stuff like that. So keep with us and thanks for listening. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. 
And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. The NBA Finals are heating up. Looking for hot takes on all the postseason action? The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, is the podcast to listen to for the ultimate finals coverage. Host and former NBA sharpshooter J.J. Redick not only has a plugged-in perspective on the action from his time in the league, but he's also announcing the games in real time for ESPN. J.J. has the ultimate insider point of view, and he's taking you along for the ride as he breaks down the best defensive schemes, dunks, and drives from each game. And speaking of incredible drives, there's no better place to tune into your new favorite podcast, The Old Man and the Three, than in a standard-setting BMW. Luxury meets power to create a wholly new driving experience. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard, BMW, the ultimate driving machine. <sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Welcome to Fail Better, David Duchovny's new podcast with Lemonada Media. On Fail Better, David, who has experienced both low- and high-profile failures throughout his life, explores the vast world of failure, how it holds us back propels us forward, and ultimately shapes our lives. Each week, he'll chat with guests like Ben Stiller, Bette Midler, and more about how our perceived failures have actually been our biggest catalysts for growth, revelation, and even healing. Through these conversations, he hopes listeners can learn how to embrace the opportunity of failure and fail better together. Fail Better is out now wherever you get your podcasts. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders, while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply.